0: As we face life, each breath, each moment, what lies before us and what lies behind us as part of our past is a resonance, a resonance through which we derive the discernment of approaching the direction of the present moment into the future alive, hopefully and you, and you, and you, and this one and that one, and the little cat banjo sitting here before me, and the willow trees and pecan tree outside the home where I'm sitting in the late spring here, early summer, Verdant, hot, moist from the recent rainfall. In a relative tranquility of the harmony, of this present moment in my life, in our lives, so that I'm entitled or privileged or humble to speak as virtuously as I'm able and you to listen. And across time and space, we meet in our souls, in our hearts, in our lives, in love, in faith, in prayer and practice. Where are we going? From where are we coming? And how and when and who and what shall we encounter in the next breath, moment, day, year, all the breaths, all the moments of your life or mine. May it be protected in all ways, blessed, guided, safe and well, and for all beings and all of creation, everywhere, always. How might that be so? Well, I spoke in recent months of the miraculous, because as a person who works in contemplative dimensions, I have many interesting questions which cross my desk, and they range from the most secular and argumentative, and angry, and anguished, to the most sublime, or mysterious, or curious, or seeking. All kinds of events will happen in the life of a human being. And that one may need to talk to somebody, or write, what shall I do with this person close to me? Or this question within myself, In the ethics of, The questions placed before me in my life. And so we engage relationship, we engage community, we engage the active willing participation of oneself with another human being or another animal being. I remember a a thorn my dog had in his paw years ago and he sort of snapped at someone and not badly but sort of someone tried to pet him and he, he sort of uh, pulled his lips back a little bit and I thought what's wrong with him this is Luchi my dog I had in Alaska when I was young and I asked him to come over and I realized it was a slight limp and he lifted his paw and he didn't really want me to handle the paw and he finally I had him lay on his side and I was able to pull the thorn out literally the little thorn out from his front paw and so he was expressing reaction without harming me because he did not know how to remove the paw, the thorn from his paw himself. Right? So in all of the creatures of the world who are living, there is a moment in which that creature will not be living as a sentient being. And he or she or they will... Try to protect that life from you causing the end of that life. And one's path is not based upon that. One's path is based really more on the miraculous in that creature and in oneself, meeting. So that within one's soul and heart of hearts and the parts of oneself that are Buddha-like or studying the Christ or being before the prophets from Moses to Muhammad, peace and blessing be upon him, to the founders of the Sikh faith, Guru Nanak, to Zoroaster, to Lao Tzu. And the women, often not spoken of, maybe partially because we have been too casual, not realizing that the formless heart and womb of the woman is inspiring to us the great muse of the world, often called the divine feminine or the divine mother in Hindu tradition or South Asian traditions, but not, no less real, just ineffable, hard to name, flowing like the sea or the ocean, pregnant with grace, pregnant with the miraculous, if we're willing to meet that within our hearts and souls. And invite that prayerfully and in virtuous practice to inspire our lives. And then bow to that feminine principle in one another. Oh, and how shall that call the masculine or formed principle forward in you and in me? And when we do this, a marriage of spirit occurs, a marriage of opposites or apparent opposites. Our mother-father internally present at the very moment of your conception and of mine, meets in heaven and on earth. And we are here as who we were created to be. And it is wondrous. It is awesome. It is pregnant with the next moment, the next breath of each of our paths, yours and mine. And when we live inviting this in embodying this to the best of our ability, we come forward in a living promise. That promise is beautiful. That promise is brave. That promise is courageously inspired and inspiring. And we come forward to find our true destiny or our true pathway, our true fate which is to realize who you are and I am in heaven on earth. And when we do this, we have a contentment of meaning. We begin to find the signature of who and what we are. Oh. And we serve that principle in one another. And out into the elders around us, the peers around us, the youth around us, the very young, the infants, those still coming to gestation and birth. And we become a fulfillment of the ages. The past, present, and future become a kind of hologram, a globe, as if they were their own world. And we realize, oh, this is what it is to be a human being. And I promise you, some other human being out there in the future, and we could extrapolate this out into some willow or pecan tree, or some beautiful doe or stag or young fawn, will embody a principle of their next breath into nibbling the grasses of the blaze of grass where they're living in the hills down in Austin or up in the Finger Lakes where my younger brother and my sister live. And we realize the deer are content in God because you and I remember who we are from the past to this present moment and we look into one another's eyes and we know this is is true. Oh, this is what truth is. No wonder the saints and sages turn in that direction. It's the only direction. As I tell people, it's the only thing interesting going on. Everything else is just a temporal map that's not really quite adequate. I don't mean that the chopping wood and carrying water of one's life are not important, they're critical. But they're critical as a temporal expression of your soul and heart on your path and of mine on my path, side by side, so that we embody heaven on earth into great peace, into a harmony, into a realization of the shepherding staff of the Hopi and Zuni and Pueblo people beyond weapons. Is that not why we're here? And we become astonished. Well, I don't know how to do that. It's people at my office are so mean or my sister-in-law is, oh my God, or my my father can be so demanding or I'm so judgmental or whomever we're blaming. We have found a wall, a boundary inadequate. There's no boundary that makes sense in enlightenment. I don't mean that the quality commonly called boundaries now is not necessary like wearing an article of clothing or closing the door while we're nursing the baby so that there's quiet but it's not a solid wall it's an ebb and flow so that the soul and heart can flow through that of the father to the mother and the mother back to the father so that the baby who is born of them both is content and protected and safe and well-nourished by the breast milk, which comes from the fertility of the mother's body and the father's and from the nature around them and from the heavens on earth of which all three of them are made. This would be our path to impart to our children. So what occurs in the promise? Well, usually what happens is one being comes forward by themselves in their solitude or in a couple, in a family, at a holiday or an event, in a community, and they have a wish to express something of heaven. And when this opens up, it's like a a new bud of a flower coming forward. And the place in themselves or in other people, perceives it as something new or a kind of a gift, and they don't quite know what to, they, oops, sorry, this is this little banjo. Yeah, I know, Dad. I know. And so the quality of their receptivity to that blossoming is mitigated by the remembrance of harm. I better not plant a rose bush. What if it dies? I better not plant a rose bush. What if my neighbor steals it? I better not plant one. What if my brother feels it's foolish, too feminine for me to plant a rose bush? What if it's from the wrong climate and I get a type that needs warmer weather or colder weather than where I live? I guess I don't really like roses at all. So for the next hundred years, when someone asks, oh, and roses, we realize, oh, that has nothing to do with me. Who is that foolish person? I mean, I'm exaggerating here, but roses, how ridiculous. Because I've chosen that I end where roses begin or roses end where I begin. And I remember meeting a woman many, many years ago named Rose. I've known several lovely women named Rose, but I met someone many, many years ago, 40 years ago. And she was named Rose, and someone made a comment as if it were a silly name that their mother had named them Rose, like a Victorian name. It was so quaint or so. And the person criticizing it just could not be vulnerable to the love and beauty spiritually and heartfully in the women in the small group. It's just she just could not really be with it as it was expressed through the name of the woman, Rose. Right. Not only could I not be with a flower or the flower bush or a dozen roses, I cannot be with that name given to a woman. So the promise of that woman's name was given to her because it was the name of one of her grandmothers. And when she spoke about it in that small meeting, it was so present in the illumination of light in her face, her vulnerability sharing it with us. For me, I can still see her in the room and just this lovely living room of a a close mutual friend uh, out in another part of the United States of America. All of the women now are between 50 and 90 years of age who were in that small group. Ineffably beautiful, this name from heaven to earth of a human being for that flower that we know goes all the way back millions of years, one of the first flowering plants upon the earth she was named for. May, May her name be a continuation of the blessing of the rose. And then we realize, wow, that could go into every human being on the face of the earth. I go, I hope that it does. I hope the promise of her grandmother within her is a blessing of our remembering heaven, praying and practicing to be of heaven, till we become of heaven in each of ourselves, together with her, her late grandmother, all women, all men, all people, all of life, all of creation, and then we're on our path. We are students of that promise. We don't need to pick up any weapons against it. And so how do we meet this in our own practice? Many people will meditate and then they'll have sacred readings or sort of an inspiring reading they'll do, or they'll do a lot of work on themselves, body work, and prayer work and work with processing and trying to integrate all the aspects of their upbringing and their family history. And and then as soon as they step up and out to finish their coffee or tea or juice or smoothie or cereal or whatever we might be privileged to have as sustaining food and drink, in gratitude, they might step out into the day. And as soon as they encounter the first experience of the material plane or an animal or plant or another human being, they'll find themselves either in affinity, oh how lovely, a ladybug, or sometimes they're called a ladybird in certain countries, a little beautiful sort of uh, beneficial insect for gardens, and they're thought of as a good luck for children here in the United States. Or they encounter a leaf on their windshield of their car. Or they encounter a flower or a thorn. Or a kind person or a rainstorm. Or a mean person. And eventually at one moment they encounter death. They might just simply be old or one day just sit down in the car and Quietly take a last breath and be gone. This happened to an uncle of mine whom I absolutely adored. And so what occurs in each moment? Well, heaven is trying to meet you and me in promise. Heaven will never break that promise to you. This is what a contemplative realizes. Heaven never breaks the promise. You do or I do. And so let us restore allowing the promise of heaven's miraculous oneness within our souls and hearts so that we embody in our lives the the life of practicing being a child of heaven. Oh, okay. Well, it's easy sometimes and very hard other times. Next breath from my history into the present moment, toward the future, may I embody the promise, the promise of heaven, as a child of that. Then what occurs is, there's mystery in the next moment, and we are beginning to receive the miraculous, and our soul is very comfortable with this. In our hearts, if we are practiced or open in our hearts or they're supple or mature, we can allow this. But in the places where they are immature or armored or boundaried in ways that are mentally and egoically sort of not quite awake and not quite correct in our understanding, we, we've slammed the door shut and said, I'm not letting it in until I am in control, till I'm judging everything around me And I decide to open it up and, you know, the heavens will not really wait for you, but you'll think that they're waiting for you, but they're not. The miraculous is going on all the time, everywhere. It's really just up to you to join the heaven on earth. And then in the next moment, when you allow this, your temporal bodies, the bodies that were conceived and born and will die, your physical body, and the resonances of light and energy around you, like the tree bark around you, the etheric body, then the emotional body outside of that, then the aura and chakras that are sort of like your computer, the energy system, and then around that your mental body in the lower stages of primordial decisions of there's an alligator in the creek, don't go in it, to higher levels of, uh, oh, here's the baby, let me step back from the stove and be more discerning, not turning the heat on, showing them this is hot. Let mommy hold the cup. Okay, now you can hold the cup. And you're teaching the baby resonance of responsible understanding of the temporal bodies. Too hot, too cold, just right. Like this, see? That's the mind when the mental body holds the orange chakras and then the emotions inside of it the tree bark of our life force inside of it, and the physical body, and that like layers of an egg, layers of the bark of a tree. And then outside of that, the causal body, your karma is sort of the eggshell of, and who are you? And what are you doing here? And sort of the map. And when we allow those temporal bodies to be the vessel expressing life. We find over time that we can safely practice letting the promise be embodied by us, of God, of heaven, of the universe. And we take the next breath and let that be all through us. And we find it frightening because we start to not feel very real. The aura begins to be quite transparent. We feel like we're going to take off like a hot air balloon. In certain traditions, it's called ecstasy. We become ecstatic. Actually, when the ecstasy becomes quite rough, it just becomes a great internal, ordinary serenity. It's just you. In eternity. Here in this body. Yet a child of God, practicing being in harmony with that everywhere. Always. Oh, here you are. Here I am. What shall we do in our prayer and practice to embody the promise of God to us, back to God? Shall we dance? Shall we help someone having a difficult time? Shall we help one another with something beautiful or a little bit difficult in our lives or very difficult in our lives? What are we to do? And the heart and soul, when they are in harmony with this, feel very quietly noble, humble, and alive. It's very natural. There's no mask. You and I are bowing to the original face in Zen Buddhism. What is the nature of one's original face from before one is born? It would be this. It's not difficult to practice, but it does require our being willing to feel a bit clumsy, like we do when we're learning a foreign language and are speaking it and like a, like a small child. And so it allows us to feel that we are excited about actually welcoming our path. Oh, this promise. Why was I just not taught this in preschool or kindergarten or by my godparent or my parent or my grandparent or my school teacher or my best friend. And some of us were privileged enough to be taught this or experience it a great deal. Some of us are taught not to practice this at all, that it's the most dangerous thing in the world because someone could hurt you, someone could trick you, someone could betray you. And so when we come into a situation, we want to embody the promise but we need to look at one aspect in all of our temporal bodies. There is a place where each of us has a gift, a series of them, really, many, many gifts, maybe more than we can count, more than one can count. But let us just say one has a gift. And the challenge one has tends to be about equal to that gift. So we can have a person who is extraordinarily adept as a dancer. Their movement, their movement, the way in which they can elongate the feet or hands and express sentiment through their body is just so touching for them, for everyone who knows them. And yet the challenge for them then is to care for that body, care for that exquisite, bittersweet sensitivity, because that person tends to walk into a cafe and feel Oh, that man at the cafe is jealous of me. Why is he looking at me with that anger or that desire or that reaction? Well, because he's armoring himself against the way in which heaven moves through you. Because every time you move, tossing your hair back, pulling the chair out to sit, when you have the beauty of movement in a body like a dancer, anyone who was taught you can't be alive You don't have permission. You walk into a room, you the dancer, and everybody in the room says, oh my God, I could feel every single thing about me that isn't enough. Or a person attends a dance performance and thinks, I am sitting here, dressed up or very casual, facing the stage to watch the dancer. And we've agreed what we will and won't be vulnerable about in our own lives. I can be a member of the audience and watch the dancer. But every day, one walks into moment after moment after moment, where consciously and unconsciously, the gifts of other people stimulate the gifts in you or me. Consciously and unconsciously, the challenges in those people, where they have not embodied the gifts completely, they're not enlightened, none of us are perfectly enlightened, they they armor themselves against the gifts. So they walk into a room and you walk into a room and are we fencing? Are we boxing? Are we wrestling? Or are we bowing to God and one another? Oh, I'm so grateful for the dewdrop of heaven and you and the dew drop in heaven meet me to meet. How lovely. May that become a fulfillment of the very ocean of God everywhere in you, in myself, in all beings, in all of creation on this path today. So when you go forward, it's necessary in your present breath to have the willingness to embody heaven. You have the free will to live as an instrument of heaven willingly, or to go, well, not yet, not not yet. Not not really in this breath. Not till my mind and karmas and personality test everybody else in the cafe first, which is where most of mankind is right now. And so we're we're in an ugly food fight or an argument over who has the most fabulous shoes or Who, you know, has the most shoes or who needs the most shoes? And so if I turn to a person with no shoes and ask them, will you help this farmer who also doesn't have shoes? Will the person without shoes help the farmer who also doesn't have shoes? So that they both plant beside my Hopi friend the ears of corn, the seeds of corn toward the future. May my Hopi friends each have their shoes. And the farmer who is their friend have his shoes. And my homeless friend have her shoes. And may you have yours and I have mine. And then our weapons fall down. Wait a minute, why were we fighting? I go, well, because there were saber toothed tigers and, We didn't know that you might not be one as a human being, right? Another being like me. What would a saber-toothed tiger be like if they wanted my fire, my child, my spear, my stone plate that I set by the fire where the meat can cook on it? What if they kill me? I better kill them first or at least Tell them, I could if I wanted to. You know, I'm really strong. I'm so tough. I'm so vigilant with my weapons 24 hours a day, every breath. And what that has evolved into is an extraordinarily sophisticated quality. This billionaire could tell that billionaire something really important. And I go, I'd rather they awaken so that the gifts of heaven given to them as prosperity and very sophisticated karma and mental brilliance could embody a principle through every cell of their being. Which includes their wealth and their success that moves through them and through all of humankind and goes beyond any weapons so imagine if two world leaders, political leaders, spiritual leaders, two, two billionaires. I'm using this because money, power and money are a huge language of the world right now. Imagine if two world leaders who are political and two world leaders who are spiritual figures of great renown and two billionaires just... Each of those three sets of two people just sat down and practiced what we're speaking of. They would begin to have an inspiration of the gifts in each of the six of them. These two, then this other pair in another city or country or area where they're walking, and then these two. And every single human being on the earth would feel a ripple through the ocean of humankind. What happened? Peace on earth. Heaven on earth. Through the gifts of that one and that one, who are willing to meet their challenges and have another human being beside them willing to meet them, gift to gift, and try to help them with their challenges, challenge to challenge. The answer of heaven through them goes beyond the saber-toothed tiger and through the enemy into holy family. And this quality of promise becomes our willing gift. I am willing to know my signature. Upon this earth, every breath I take I am willing to know what heaven might bring to the human race, to all of life, to all of creation. I promise you, Father, Mother, God, Great One, Universe, Source, Absolute, I promise you I will do my best to embody my gift and bring my challenges forward in strength and vulnerability and humility that I find my own solitude at rest. My next breath, my own life force engaged with others. Oh, this path, my path and yours. Every breath, every moment, everywhere, always.